welcome back to another episode of Rather Testify, where I would rather testify than come up with something funny. I don't know. Um, today I actually have a uh, the first pastor of this podcast, um, a pastor of uh, a church here in Frankfort, Indiana, Pastor Darren Stitt. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right. Good. So I have some questions about your uh, testimony. Sure. It, all right. So my first question is, what was your childhood like uh, growing up, uh, school, all that stuff? What was it like? So um, I was raised in the city. I was raised in Indianapolis on the south side. Mm -hmm. um, I went to public school, starting kindergarten, going all the way through high school. Um, I had uh, raised in a two-parent home. I had uh, one brother and one sister. There were three of us total. total. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that my home environment was a good environment. I mean, my parents were good parents. You know, they mm -hmm. loved me. They took care of me uh, very well. Um, it wasn't a particularly Christian environment. Mm -hmm. um, my parents were, we were sort of nominal church attenders. So we would mm -hmm. come and go. We would go to church maybe, you know, for six weeks and then stop going for a few months and then, you know, go for a few months and go to VBS and that sort of thing. But I wasn't particularly uh, raised in church. Um, we were we were sort of members of the church. We were part of a church that so we would come and go. Um, and so God was sort of discussed nominally in our home, but not a lot about Jesus, not a lot about the gospel. Um, and then, um, you know, like I said, I went to public school. I had one brother, one sister. And uh, overall, I mean, I would say life was good. Both of my parents worked. Um, and uh, my dad was a manager at a very large retail establishment, um, and my mom was an uh, administrative assistant uh, at a brokerage, and then she was an administrative assistant at a law firm. And so um, both of my parents had really good jobs, um, and I mean, for the most part, life was really good. Uh, I didn't know Jesus though, so. <laughs> but uh, that's that's in a nutshell kind of what life was kind of what life was like. Mm -hmm. um, I spent the day hanging out. I mean, it's like summertime like this. We'd be outside all day, every day, playing basketball, beginning of the day, end of the day, um, getting into all kinds of trouble, you know? So, so. Um, I have a question. Like, I know a bit of your story. Um, like, not a whole lot, like that first part I didn't know about, but I know that you um, ended up going to a, a Christian college. Um, my question for that is, um, like, how'd you end up there? Like, uh, yeah. Why, like, what even happened in that situation? So, okay, so the background to that is interesting. Um, so I, I was raised in a nominally Christian home. You know, right. And um, when I was, um, I want to say I was maybe like 11, um, I went to a Southern Baptist church. So some of this may sound unusual to you growing up right. Presbyterian, but, um, or uh, Dutch Reformed. You're but, uh, but in a Baptist church, they have these things called altar calls where they do an invitation at the end of the service. Right. And the pastor preached the gospel. And I was really encouraged by some people in the family to like go up. And so I walked up. Uh, this is all getting to the college thing, I promise. Mm -hmm. I go up, I say a prayer. The pastor tells me, do you want to go to heaven when you die? I say, yeah, of course I want to go to heaven when I die. He says, okay, say this prayer. And he led me in what's commonly referred to as a sinner's prayer. And, you know, the next week I got baptized and I thought I was a Christian, you know, at nine years right. old, 11 years old, whatever that was. Well, my parents at that point sort of drifted away from the church not long after that for an extended season of time. And so I was just kind of doing my own thing. I was, uh, you know, 
playing sports. I wrestled in high school. I played football. Um, and my life was kind of really like given to that and being with my friends and things like that. And um, I got sick with mono. I got really sick. And uh, I was down a lot. I wasn't able to go to school every day. I wasn't able to play any sports. And at the end of that period that I was sick, uh, the guy who was the new youth director at the church I'd grown up at contacted me and invited me to come to this event. And I was not interested in being a Christian. I wasn't interested in following Jesus or anything at this point. So, but I didn't have anything else to do because I was just recovering from mono. I couldn't play sports or anything. And so I said, okay, I'll come. And so I went to this event and it was like this big youth gathering. And uh, the guy preached the gospel at that event with uh, tremendous clarity. And um, for the first time in that event, I came to realize that I was a sinner in need of God's grace. And um, I really hadn't understood. I knew Jesus died on the cross and all that stuff from my childhood. Right. But I really didn't understand that I was a sinner in need of God's grace. And so I came to realize at that time, the Spirit of God just sort of opened my eyes to my sin. And so over the course of the next week, I wrestled with that. And in that time period, I didn't have like a sudden moment where it was like I wasn't a Christian and then I was a Christian. For me, it was just in this time period, I came to understand the depth of my brokenness, mm -hmm. the depth of my sinfulness and my need for Christ. So I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. I trusted in his resurrection. Right. So, That's my only hope of salvation. So here, how do I get to other Christian college from there? Right. So I uh, so first I had to become a Christian. Right. Right. That's, so that was the first thing that happened. Well, then, um, so I was, I think I was 15, 14 or 15 at that point. I got saved, and all of a sudden, um, the first six months after I became a Christian, I was just telling everybody about Christ to the point that, like, ever my friends thought I was all like joining a cult or something like that. They all thought I was crazy. Like, this guy's nuts. He's not the same guy that we we're friends with. My parents were like threatening to ground me from going to church because I was just telling everybody about Jesus all the time. And so, about six months in, I had a conversation with my youth pastor where I was like, look, I've been studying the Bible, and that six months I had already read the Bible cover to cover and was starting back over at the beginning. And this is from a kid who was virtually illiterate when I first became a Christian. Oh, damn. And so I had a conversation with my the guy that was my youth pastor at the time, and I said, look, I really feel like maybe the Lord's calling me into ministry. I don't actually know what that looks like, but I want to teach and preach the Word of God. That's what I want to do. And I really feel like it's God that's stirring my desire to do that. Mm -hmm. And so he said, okay, well, let's have a conversation with the pastor. So we had a conversation with the pastor. And they started providing some opportunities for me to teach the Bible. And um, the more that more opportunities I had to teach and preach, the more my passion was stirred toward teaching and preaching the Word of God. And so eventually the pa senior pastor, the primary pastor of the church, said, you know, this is probably evident. God is calling you into ministry, and so you probably need to go to Bible college to prepare yourself for that. And so I looked at a couple different Bible colleges, and um, actually Crossroads Bible College, the one I went to in Indianapolis, was my second choice. I really wanted to go to Boyce College, which is connected to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky, but I just couldn't get the finances to work out with that. So I ended mm. up at, at Crossroads, and I'm thankful that I did. Because if I would have wanted to Boyce, I never would have met my wife. <laughs> so I, so I, I ended up at Crossroads in the fall of 2002. Um, and um, it took me about actually seven years to get my bachelor's degree there. But So I started from being 15, 14, sort of nominally knowing things about God, to giving my life to Christ, to sort of just immediately being passionate about his word and wanting to teach and preach it. And that's sort of the path that led me into Christian college. So... Um what do you consider your lowest point in your life? Like, 
the point, like you mentioned, how you, like, you were saved because you recognized you were a sinner, but, like, was there, like, another point in your life after you were saved that became your a low point that you were like, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah, I have, uh, well, like, the path that you're going with that cr- question is actually right. Uh, most of the low points in my life can't have come actually since I've known Christ. Um, right. And so there are two that I can point to. Uh, one um, was about 10 years ago. I was planting a church up near Fort Wayne. Um, Katrina and I had been married for, I think, seven or eight years at that point. We had three children. And I was trying to plant this church. And I was, in addition to planting the church, I the church couldn't afford to pay me a full-time salary or anything like that. So I was, in addition to trying to plant this church, I was working uh, a full-time job and a part-time job. So I was working this I was working between 70 and 80 hours a week, every week, just trying to pastor this church and put food on the table for my family. And it still wasn't enough. We were broke. Uh, we did not have enough. We would try to find change in the couch cushions so that we could buy bread and peanut butter. And it was a low, the reason that it was a low point for me is not because I was hungry. The reason it was a low point for me is because I was looking at the situation as a husband and as a father. It's my job to take care of my family. Right. And my kids aren't able to eat. You know, my, my, my family's not able to eat. And there were other Christians that helped us out financially and things like that, which we were tremendously grateful for. But it was really, really a hard season. And I would be up late at night because the church wasn't growing. We were putting everything we had into trying to plant this church and doing all these other things. And I would be up late at night praying for just something good to happen. And I was in a season in my life where there were no wins. Everything was just one negative after another negative after another negative. Everything was a failure at that point. Everything we were trying to do failed. Everything we were trying to do in the church failed. We tried to start a business at that point. That failed. Everything was just, everything was falling apart. My family was hungry. We weren't able to pay our bills. And I would come to Philippians chapter 4 over and over again where... Paul talks about, I know what it's like to be well-fed, and I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like, and his thing is like, I know what it's like to fall apart. I know what it's like to not have my needs met and to have my needs met. And he's what he teaches there in Philippians chapter 4, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible, 4.13 there, where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's actually saying there is, I can be hungry and still hope in Christ because my strength is in him, not in my financial provision. Or I can prosper and still have strength in Christ. And the idea that he's laying out there is that actually that our our um, our contentment is not in our circumstances, it's in Christ. And so in that low season, God taught me to learn to be content in Christ and to learn to trust in Christ. And so that was the first, the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was just recently here, in the last year, um, I've been dealing with this traumatic brain injury, so... Yeah, I remember hearing about that, that, in fact, I haven't really seen you drive in any vehicle after that, so that really must have impacted you in some way, or... Yeah, yeah, it's been, the last year and a half has been really rough, so I, um, so in, in January of 2020, 2021, I don't know, it all runs together, January, I think it was January 2021, it's last year. So this is 2023, so it be 2022. <laughs> January of 2022, I was at a funeral, and there was a family get-together afterwards. 
late in the evening and, and it just iced and I jumped out of my truck to go into this family reunion and I fell when I was getting out of my truck and I banged the back of my head really hard and went unconscious. So I get up. I didn't think it was that bad. I've had concussions before. I played sports when I was in high school. Right. So I thought even if I have a concussion, whatever, it's not that big a deal. I'll get over it. So I go in and like to members of my family, it was very evident that my brain was not functioning properly. So I have an aunt who's a nurse that was like, please go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital. I've had concussions before, you know, whatever. So I slept in Indianapolis that night and went back home the next day. And then Katrina and I flew out to Salt Lake City for a Young Living event. Right. And um, everything was not good. I wasn't feeling well, but it was expected when you have a concussion. Well, progressively, the symptoms started getting worse and worse and not better and better. And so I was not able to drive. My eyes were not functioning properly. My words were slurring. So we go to the doctor and eventually we get the diagnosis. This is a thing called post-concussion syndrome. And during this time, my brain is not operating. So I'm a pastor. I teach and preach the word of God. That's my primary job. And I can't even remember like most of the things that I know about God. Like that part of my brain was like whole, completely like inoperable. The things that I could remember are like the scripture passages that I had memorized. I couldn't read. I wasn't allowed to read because my eyes weren't working properly. And so for that first three or four weeks, most of my day was spent sitting in a dark room. I couldn't read. I couldn't watch anything on TV. Nothing. The only thing I could eventually do was listen to audiobooks. And so I would listen to the Bible on audio. And in that time, life was really scary. Like Katrina and I, our family, we didn't know what was going to happen next. And there's been many times actually over the course of the last year that have been very scary. A lot of my natural ability to do things went with that concussion. There are many things that I was, that came very naturally to me before that, that do not come naturally to me anymore, that are very challenging for me. And that was, it is a, it was a very low point, especially in the very beginning, not knowing what was going to happen next. And still, to this day, there's a lot that we don't know. We don't know how long I'm going to have these symptoms. They come and go. Sometimes they're really bad. Sometimes they're not so bad. And so it brought me to a really low point because I thought all this stuff that I've been doing for the last 20 years, and I really want to serve the Lord in this way. It's the way that I think he's called me to serve him came into question. And uh, again, the whole thing about being a husband, I need to take care of my family. I need to take care of my wife. I need to take care of my children. And in that, uh, God taught me that um, the the big lesson that I learned in that, or have been learning in that, well, there's two. One is the power of prayer. Because in that time, I've never been a great prayer, to be honest. I always prayed because I'm supposed to pray. But I've never been somebody that you would say like, oh, that guy prays a lot. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really learned to pray in a certain way that I didn't really know how to pray before that. So I would spend hours and hours late into the night calling out to God because it's the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain way that suffering teaches you to pray that you don't learn when you're not suffering. And so I learned, I really learned to pray. And the second thing is that God provides us with what we need to do what he wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I got into the pulpit and preached after all of that happened, eventually that theology part of my brain came back gone and so forth. 
and that was good. But when I got into the pulpit to preach, um, though much of my natural ability was gone, it was sort of replaced with this renewed relationship with the Holy Spirit. And as I got into the pulpit to preach, I came to trust the Lord in a different way because he used that. He used that suffering to teach me to depend upon him and not to depend on, you know, like the Proverbs say, trust in the Lord in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your steps. Don't lean on your own understanding. And so those are probably the two lowest points. God brought me to this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 12. Often during that time, This is it talks about Paul and his thorn of the flesh. He says, um, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults and with distress, with persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And those words really sort of came to life for me as I was going through that. I wish I would have known that when I was going through the whole church plant thing back then. Yeah. It's not like I didn't know that verse was in the Bible. Yeah, it's God, more like the moment where we get to our lowest point and we see the verse and we're like that we can right. relate and understand it a bit more. Yeah, you understand it. God a meets way. us at our darkest points in life. Yeah, and that's it. And the thing that he's the thing the Apostle Paul says here is like. God is actually most able to use you, not when you're at your strongest, not when you're able to work in your own strength and in your own ability. God is most able to do use you actually when you're at your low point, when you're at your weakest, then God intervenes. And then when God uses you, everybody looks and they're like, I just had a conversation with this guy and he couldn't stream two sentences together. And then he gets up there and preaches the word of God. And it's like, clearly it's not him that's God, yeah. and that's the reason that God is able to use us when we get to those points. So, so those would probably be my two lowest points, and I would say that in those two lowest points, those were the two most difficult seasons of my life. Those are also the two times in my life that I have grown most in my walk with the Lord. So just to uh, let the audience know, what is that Bible section again, Bible chapter verse and yeah it's uh first corinthians 12 um and it's verses 7 to 10. so first Corinth no, second corinthians I'm sorry. <laughs> you're fine second, second corinthians 12 verses 7 to 10. okay second corinthians 12 verse 7 through 10 so if you want to look at that read that verse with because i can't understand that darren is a bit it like talks a bit fast like i Oh, like, sure. You're fine. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, so if you want to read it for yourself, then go ahead. Uh, I probably, like, one thing I do, wish I did with the previous two, was ask them about, like, a, a Bible verse or something that they could read from. So I'm actually glad that you did that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that is this verse, this passage, and there are several others, but this passage is really one that God has used in the last year, year and a half really to impress upon me the sufficiency of his grace. So so what is your goal for the future? Like, where do you see yourself? Like, 
with the church that you're preaching at and like you see yourself in the community or how do you see yourself? So in a lot of ways, because of everything that I'm going on, that's going on with the traumatic brain injury, seeing what's going to happen in the future is very difficult. Right. Um, and, and, and like, I can tell you, like, I want to serve and honor the Lord, whatever he has for me. It's, if it depends on me, I would pastor this church until I'm not able to do so anymore. So um, I see myself, again, the Lord could call me away from here. I don't know. But right now, I just see myself preaching and teaching the Word of God here at Harmony Baptist Church in Frankfort, Indiana, as long as the Lord permits me to do that. We have some plans to connect into the community. Um, we're going to start doing a mobile a mobile prayer unit. So we're going to go on Saturdays around the community for the summertime, and we're going to set up a... Um, we're going to have a signs that have free Bibles, free water, and offer to pray for people. And that's really what I want our church to be about. Um, that's what our church is becoming more and more about. We spend a lot of time co having conversations with people in the community, trying to just figure out how we can pray for them, how can we serve them spiritually, uh, what needs do they have, and that sort of thing. And so I see that being a big part of my ministry in the future. Also, there are other things that I'm involved with that I'll continue to be involved in. I love to straight preach, so I love to go down to Indianapolis Find a street corner. I know that's very unusual for Christians today. It's a very typical thing for Christians to do mm -hmm. in historically, but, or, um, you know, go do, um, you know, ministry to protect the preborn, all that stuff. I still continue, I plan to continue to be involved with. So what is your uh, favorite memory that you have that you will always remember to the day you die? Oh man, there's a lot of things that I could say for that. Um, there's a lot of different things I could give an answer for that. There are a lot of things I remember like like it was yesterday. One of the ones probably uh, is when I met Katrina for the first time. So my wife Katrina, we, were, we went to that same college we talked about earlier together. Right. And I saw her in the hallway, walking down the hallway. I'd never met her before. And I saw her walking down the hallway and I wanted to talk to her. And this is just my personality. She's walking down the hallway and I want to talk to her. So I just jumped in front of her and started a conversation with her. <laughs> I still remember that like it was yesterday. So a couple of weeks later, um, I was late. We had the same class and I didn't even know it. She, we had Old Testament survey together and I was running late. And I, so I was running late and I, there was one seat left in the class and the one seat that was left in the class, it turns out by the providence of God was a seat that was open next to her in the back of the room. And what had turned out happened is she was running early and took a seat in the back of the class and I was running late and took a seat in the back of the class. <laughs> and that is actually a bit of our personalities because Katrina, if given the chance, will always sit in the back of the room and I would prefer to sit in the front, but because I was late, I had to sit in the back. So I ended up sitting down in the only seat that was available and turned in there. She was sitting there and it was two weeks after I'd had that conversation with her in the hallway and her and I spent, I don't know that, I mean, I'm an audible learner. So the yeah. professor was lecturing and I was hearing and learning everything that he could just find. But if you ask Katrina, she says she didn't learn anything that class because her and I were writing notes back and forth to each other. Uh, that's what we used to do before text messaging. Right. So we're writing notes back and forth to each other through the whole class. And uh, so that I'll probably, if the Lord is merciful, I'll 
remember that for the rest of my life. There are a lot of other things. The birth of my children are all things that... So, how many children do you have? I have nine children. Uh, the youngest is one. The oldest is 19. Um, and and uh, all conception. Yeah, like right. None adopted? Nope, none of them are adopted. They're all... Um, yeah, all conception. That's a good way to say it. Um, we have six boys and three girls. Um, the older... Two are boys, and then we have a girl, and then we have uh, two girls. No, a girl and then a boy. Goodness, see, I don't know. A girl and then a boy, and then two girls, and then three boys since then. Our last three children have been boys. So for a while there, we were pretty even, and then we had the twins. And that threw us off more in the boy direction, and then we had Ezekiel, and so now we have we have three more boys than we do girls. So, yeah. So, um... Last question for you. Is there anything we can pray for you? Like, um, I, I understand that you're still in this um, struggle with, like, the concussion that you've been experience, that you experienced. Like, you're still feeling the physical effects. Um, is there anything else that we could pray for you? Yeah, I mean, if you could pray. I mean, yeah, definitely. If everybody listens to the podcast could pray about the concussion, that would be uh, helpful. It's a weird thing because, like, I'm past the point now where I'm praying for healing so much. Um, right. You know, we're at the point now where it seems more and more like some of these things are going to be with me for a very long time. But if I could trade the growth that I've had in my walk with God for the take this concussion symptoms away, I would rather have the growth I've had in my walk with God <laughs> and still have the concussion symptoms. So, but if you could pray uh, for clarity of mind and, uh, you know, really just that the Lord would continue to use me and show us the direction he wants us to go in, that would be good. All right. Thank you, Darren, for joining me for today's session. I know it's been a while since I had last posted. It's We've been going through a lot of uh, struggles with the uh, communication and scheduling but i'm thankful that you're able to join me today and i thank you guys for as well for joining us and we'll see you again next time awesome. right. thank you thank you